This is Caminantes, where you are invited behind the curtain of the 2021 Caminos Festival and into the creative minds of this year's Caminantes. Think of this podcast as the theater lobby, where people can mingle and talk about the incredible art they're creating. Then you start recognizing the type of, of, of displacement, you know, through little codes of communication, of little, little codes of how the people move on the space, how the people uh, dress. Here in Saskatoon, my reality was totally different from when my family was living in Ecuador in March last year. Everyone just needs a place to live and enough food to eat. Me seeing that meant that as an artist, I needed to respond to that. In this episode, you will hear two conversations. First, we'll hear from two-thirds of the Triangle Collective and the artistic producer and creator of Ay Caramba Theater. Let's get started. My name is Julissa Campos, and my show is Trapped. Right after I graduated, and I went through this phase of getting tired of auditioning for roles that I was never seen, or, or there were not many roles for people of color here in, in the prairies. So yeah, so that's why I decided to start creating my own work in my own theater and, and, and see how, how this new journey will take me. So when I was thinking of writing my first show and producing the first show here in Saskatoon, um, I needed a theater name. So I wanted something that was easy for the Anglophone audience to pronounce. And I always remember like watching The Simpsons and hearing Bart Simpson saying, "Ay, caramba!" I'm like, "Okay, well, in, back home, I'm from Ecuador, so when we say "ay, caramba," it could be a word of expression, uh, expression of of excitement, surprise, it could be also frustration. It has many meanings. So it was very global, and it will, uh, I think, it opened the door to many ways of interpretation, and that's why I wanted my theater to be. So my name is Komen Poon. I also have a Chinese name, and it's Poon Holman. I identify as he, him, and I'm based in Takoronto, Toronto, but I'm currently uh, dialing in from Chotake, Montreal. Hola, my name is Olga Barrios. I am original from Colombia. I am work between Colombia and Canada, the bridge, you know, exchange projects. Our project is called Life on Arts in and Times of COVID. This is kind of uh, playing with the title of uh, Garcia Marquez's uh, book, El Amor en los Tiempos del Cólera, right? So kind of, we kind of play with that uh, sensation of, of, yeah, life and sickness, right? <laughs> and our third member of the Triangle Collective is uh, Edgardo Moreno who is uh, Chilean-Canadian based in Hamilton, Ontario. The three of us often are in migration or moving from one place to another. So it became very obvious that we were always in some sort of reformation of a triangle and never together, but at the same time together mm -hmm. through the digital. Uh, we started this project uh, before pandemia, actually. And that's how... I, I, I start founding like uh, really like uh, intimate connections with my friends, like really far away, getting to the, the intimacy through the sometimes the cell phone that you go into your bed and you are reading into your bed and suddenly, whoops, this friend appears and have all that information to you and you start having a conversation at in any moment, at any time, right? So that was like a really cool 
feeling at the beginning of our project. So yeah, we were sending like image or where I am, here is where I am right now. This is what I'm doing at this moment. This is happening in Colombia and then in another place. And this is, I am here at the airport getting into Toronto, no? This type of, of, of signals, right? Through the space was really, really like intriguing. And I think it changed after COVID, right? After, after COVID started, we were so busy with the with the digital that our connection also like kind of something happened after after that. We were, you know, using initially uh, Facebook Messenger, and then we started making little works of art and sending them to each other, and then waiting for the other person to take time to digest and to receive the work. And this particular process we call art conversations because it's like uh, I throw a ball out at both my collaborators and it's a reflection of my local experience, my personal experience. And I want to offer the filter of making art as a way of transmitting, but also digesting what is happening. And it's a, an offering to my collaborators who receive it as gifts and they are they're in turn not rushed into it but in their own time they process what they pick up from the work and integrate or respond to it and then we take turns leading these prompts this is our methodology that evolved out of necessity but also out of kind of a resilience to what happens when you don't get the path that you think you're going on is not showing up while well, you find a way around. Ulisa, tell us about um, Trapped and how um, it references the, the real issues and comes from the real issues that it deals with. So displacement is something that has been happening since forever. And when I went to Ecuador um, in 2019, I got very shocked by by the situation that we were having where I could see more and more immigration from Venezuelans, refugees there, and how the the ambience changed. And I could hear friends being not happy about it, people being a little bit um, not hostile, but defensive. But the fact that we were having newcomers to country even though we we you know we come from latin america we share so many cultural aspects yes we are different but at the same time we're similar and to me coming up like i'm an immigrant here so it was it was heartbreaking to see how some people were treating them and not welcome them when i'm in a place where i've been treated like that we struggle with femicide and it's just the government never does anything. And then later on, more research I've encountered that this is a global problem where it has happened in Canada and anywhere where it's just, um, they don't care. Um, but so in that time, there was this big news that happened in one of the cities in Ecuador, in Ibarra, where um, a woman was murdered on the street by her boyfriend and the police didn't do anything. It just happened that her boyfriend was Venezuelan and that was enough for the people to put the attention to the fact that he was Venezuelan to start kicking out the people out of the town. And even the government turned their eye to the fact that, oh, we have so many immigrants and this is getting out of hand because criminals are coming here. When that was not the case, the case was 
men are murdering women on the street and nobody's doing anything because I bet if the guy was Ecuadorian, the story would have been different. So to me, trap is so vividly, and it's, it, it's a current issue. And even now, you know, with, with the situation in Afghanistan, it's just like every time some, there's something going on in the world that shows us the displacement is, is never ending. And to me, trap was so, even though I started writing it two years ago, it keeps coming as, as a current issue, different setting, different story, but it's the same creation where displacement, segregation, xenophobia, and lack of opportunity is so prevalent in a country where people are just striving to find an, a better life somewhere else. Yeah, with that, it's also present in Canada. Exactly. When I was reading about the Triangle Collective, I was very pumped when I read that you got inspired by the uh, Times of Cholera, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. And I love Gabriel Garcia Marquez. So I'm just um, intrigued um, what brought you to him and write something about, I guess, inspired about his books because he's such a, a Colombian icon, a Latin American icon in literature. <laughs> leave it to me. <laughs> well, at the beginning, it was more like a, um, a game of a game of words, right? Because it's like uh, right now many things are, are happening. In the time of the sickness, of the cholera of, of today, right? The COVID is a, is our cholera, mm-hmm. right? And 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 Garcia Marquez, it's, it's, it, he takes us through journeys of um, magic realism, right? And it takes us through journeys of stories like love in times of cholera, but it's surrounded by the context of the social political that is happening right now at that time, at that moment, yeah. while, while the story was going on, right? So there is this story, but there is so many issues in the social, political, and cultural moment. So we're doing that too. We're we're looking around what is going on with our social, political, cultural, and the difference and, and the contrast between the third and the first world realities in times of cholera, right? In times of COVID. Are we very deliberately reframed it as instead of love in times of COVID, it's art and life in times of COVID. And part of the way in which my understanding of the way um, we work and why value it is that there's a growing sense that there isn't a separation between art and life that there is artful ways of living, but there's also um, this notion that the separation between art and life is often because of capitalization and the art market. We aren't so interested in that. We're interested in the origin of art as integrated into life and integrated into understanding uh, positionality. Earlier on um, in the last 18 months, we were sharing this uh, news item about how um, the government um, initially proposed that vaccines would not be made available to Venezuelans in Colombia. And that was just like outrageous to me. I, I didn't understand the health logic, nor did I understand kind of the, the, the reason behind it. And it, in some ways, it has a, a kind of echo to what you were talking about with trapped, you know, that there's these parallels that are happening. And we want to scratch at this because we want to understand what the cause and effect, but also the, the daily 
life of people who have to live in these contexts, um, not just Venezuelans, but Colombians, and understanding what it is to have been put in such strict um, uh, lockdown at the very beginning. How, how did it, how did it jump to that versus how we experienced it in Canada and how, how has that impacted and led to the student strikes that are happening today? Yeah, that actually brings me to another question that you mentioned, how life, um, you know, at the end of the day, you notice that even a pandemic, the people who has priorities, the people who has power, and unfortunately, um, some of us come from places that we don't have power, and that's why we decide to move somewhere else, right, to look for better opportunities. But uh, something you say, comment about um, leaving the reality of COVID different from other places is true. Here in Saskatoon, my reality was totally different from when my family was living in Ecuador in March last year. They were in extreme lockdown and people were dying. Hospitals were packed and, and people were panicking. Meanwhile, in Saskatoon, we were in a lockdown, but it was different. When the, the lockdown was so strict here and I was going out, uh, the, the, the streets were empty because we were able just to go with a number, right, to the supermarket. And if you were stopped by the police, they would give you a fine and etc. right? So I was wondering because, like, uh, in the last years, we, we see the people walking on the street with, with, um, with the, their bags, and we know are the Venezuelans moving around, right? And you know that the people are displaced in this country, but also there are other displaced people from Venezuela. So, but then you start recognizing the type of, of, of displacement, you know, through little codes of 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 um, communication, of little little codes of how the people move on the space, how the people uh, dress. You know, like it's really interesting how we start discovering all those little details. You know, and I was really like wondering about that displacements. Like people were not allowed to be on the streets, but where is the people that is living on the streets? Because uh, let's say. Like a year before pandemics, there was, like, let's say, a, a gas station where people would start like uh, living there, you know, doing their camps. And it was like, it's not people that used to live on the streets. It was like regular people, just like they didn't have place to stay. They just start organizing their own camps. And they were like, wow, what is that people right now? They are like um, um, giving vaccines just to certain people. And it's been, it's, been, it's been crazy how they are like giving the vaccines here. Like uh, you you have to chase the vaccine, right? You are, like, and they're like giving announcement all over like, you should put the vaccine because we want to, you know, like if we were in like a first world country, right? The advertisement is different than the reality. When you see the advertisement, you're like, go on vaccine because we want to be all okay, right? And then when you go for the vaccine, there are not enough vaccines. So people is chasing the vaccine. My husband had to go to another city to get his second shot, you know? So, and then they are cutting the opportunity of the Venezuelans. So come on, we're all mixing here because this is another big issue in our countries, class. If you belong to this class, you have the opportunity to have this. If you don't have it, sorry, you have to die. So basically something like that, no? So the layers are full there. Mm -hmm. You know, that with that, yeah. Also, I remember, Olga, you mm. had shared something that was really powerful and landed um, in my heart. And um, at the beginning of uh, the pandemic, you had said 
being a, being in quarantine is a privilege here. And that was like, wow, right? Um, just to sit with that and go, hmm. You know, COVID is only one of many things that surfaces the faults of society. We talk about in the Triangle Collective, the differences in national and regional responses to threats that are brought on by pandemic in our own localities. And in context of like unsustainable hyper-individualism and neoliberalism, we want to ask what is dying, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, as well as what is emerging and what will be born, because we're interested in understanding and artistically responding to our own day-to-day -day experiences as a framework for looking at what is happening in this time of massive change and upheaval and societal collapse. That was Olga Barrios and Komen Poon from the Triangle Collective and Yulisa Campos from Aicaramba Theatre. Next, we'll hear from the creators of Login, Password, Logout, and Park Life. My name is Janice Mayers. I am a artist from Toronto. My pronouns are she, her, they, them. My project is called Park Life, and it's, um, it's basically, I'm on volume two right now. My, my aim is to make three chapters that will be pools of information to draw my second draft from. So I'm talking about the root, the past, and then part three is the hope in the future and the present. So I'm looking at the good and the bad, but in part three, I really want to focus on all the positive, wonderful stuff, like with Roma cooking for everybody with sweet hand delights and uh, working from community with community. And that's everything uh, that I'm talking about. So it's really cool that... Uh, we're both here to talk because <laughs> she was one of the people I wanted to talk to. So, so hi, I am Roma Spencer. I'm an actor, a director, playwright, a comedian, and a, quite a foodie at heart. My, my side hustle is being that as a, of a, a chef. And I am originally from Trinidad and Tobago, settled here in Toronto for the last um, 20, wow. Oh my God, it's 22 years already. Oh my God, it felt like I was just just recently off the boat. And I've been working with, with Luna. I had had now two residencies with the company to develop one, um, my play, Dance Macabre. And then in the Caminos Festival with another piece called uh, Login, Password and Logout. Um, this piece was created from a series of, of sound bites and, and e-texts and emails that the public sent in from a call that Convergence Theatre did back in March 2020, where they asked the public to send a text, an email, or, or um, a sound bite over voicemail about how are they coping with um, COVID. I chose nine submissions I chose nine nine pieces from the, the the submissions so it's what I call a mashup a mashup of nine pieces to create um then it was called home rec but for Caminos when I submitted it for Caminos as I've since changed the name from home rec to login password and log out 
So that's me, moi, in a nutshell. So Janice, I really like what you're doing with your piece. And I noticed that um, there is an image of the medicine wheel in, in the piece. I really love the fact that you're using it because I know that you do have First Nations in your culture, in your, in your heritage, that is. I want to know how, how are you making use of this and why you chose to do that? Well, just to stay true to the Indigenous way of telling a story, using it as a dramaturgical device to help shape uh, what I'm talking about. So you have the external, the directions, and then the center, which is the heart. So there's one thing missing from the medicine. Well, it's not missing unless you know to look for it. You just see the directions and the four corners, but there's a red dot in the center, which is the heart of the matter. So my volume one, which I shared with the buddies in Bad Times um, sharing in June for Pride, that was the heart. So I went right in with, with the main heavy conversations. It's a bit intense. And part two is the container outside of the heart that's holding it together. And then part three will be the structure, talking more about, um, dare I say, predatory economics um, and the Toronto Housing Coalition and these governments that yeah. set, it's a system that we're, I wouldn't, I don't like using the word trapped. You just have to navigate your way out of it. But what I've found along the way with, with the writing, the medicine wheel, think of it more as a snail uh, and a coil because it can be big and it can be small, but it's always spinning. And there's a beginning and a middle and not an end, but rather a rebirth. And I'm being informed about it a lot with um, the creation along the way here. Oddly enough, I'm the camera woman um, working with us lives in Regent Park, as do you. So I'm, I'm getting to experience and see all the positive things that have come out of this and um, also talk to other people who have had other experiences. And, and, you know, you're telling a story about, you know, clearly your childhood past growing up in, in Regent Park. Yes. And um, how much, how much of the story that you're telling is what I call bio myth drama. So it's both almost autobiographical, biographical, it is also maybe some myth because, you know, <laughs> we, we tend, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so is it indeed a, a bi, what I will call a biomyth drama? Yes. And then other things like I've, things that I've witnessed that mm -hmm. um, I, I feel the need to say something about because it, it, some things just have to be said. Um, but yeah, it's all from firsthand experience and my own personal um, experiences growing up there, which isn't everybody's, mind you. It's, you know, we all have yeah. different roads. Yeah. What I'm, what I'm kind of fascinated with, there's, there's a part of my piece that I'm going to be sharing that uh, it has some grounding in, in park life, but it was also heavily inspired by how we live right now. Okay. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just assuming um, how much of, let's say, even the past six months, how things have changed, how much has that informed your, your writing with polishing this up? Well, well, certainly, as you know, as I would have said before, 
you know, it was inspired by people's response to, to COVID, how they were living at that time. We're talking about March, between March and May 2020. That's the first wave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then and then in the middle of that came George Floyd in May, you yeah. know, when we were all told to stay home, separate, isolate, and quarantine. And then comes George Floyd murder. And people just said, fuck that shit. We are taken to the streets. Ain't got no separate, isolate, and quarantine. No more mm-hmm. here, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so to me, something was being said there was a bigger statement mm-hmm. to me when the people took to the streets like that and not just black people, everybody, mm-hmm. black, white, brown, yellow, polka dot, everybody. Me seeing that meant that as an artist, I needed to respond to that. To me, in order to save my sanity, writing is what, is what held me together during mm-hmm. this time. Mm-hmm. writing, creating, what is it, writing, writing a proposal, writing for a grant, writing, writing a play. That is what helped me during this time. If, it, if there's anything I could say about how I dealt with the pandemic, I dealt, I dealt with it through writing. Both of your shows in the Caminos Festival, from what we understand, they have to do with home, either a home that you had once or a home that's changing. Uh, and Roma, you live in Regent Park right now. Mm-hmm. So our question is, imagine Regent Park in 2031, which is 10 years from now. What would you like to see in Regent Park? That poverty, some, you know, there's still pockets of poverty now. Um, a lot of homeless people are, you know, is within the vicinity. I wish that in 2031 that they all will be housed <laughs> by th- 2031. Um, you know, I can walk the streets in peace and not be bothered by, you know, you're seeing, um, you know, these all these tents in the in the lovely green spaces that we have, you know, finding ways to make sure that everyone have a home. Ten years time, I think it it wants to look like a very inclusive neighborhood whether you're rich, you're poor, you're in between. And we all live in harmony. Mm. Uh, what I like right now, there's a kind of a, there's cultural diversity in Regent Park. That, that is what I appreciate and love. Mm. And I, I will think that in 2031, it will be, it would be the same and even more. So I would say definitely that all persons are, have access to housing. And what I'd, hopefully like to see is is the the purpose of why they gentrified i i hope that comes to fruition so again inclusivity community access the kids need music programs they need open gyms the aquatic center is accessible for everyone and safe enough streets you know so again there's plenty of units for everyone (laughs) so just the housing crisis in Toronto as a whole, we know it's catastrophic. And um, yeah, everyone just needs a place to live and enough food to eat. And ideally, optimal society, that's, that's what we want for everybody. And that was Roma Spencer and Janice Mayers. 
all of these artists are bringing their new works, which are still in development, to the Caminos Multi Arts Festival. This year, Caminos is presenting the art of 32 different groups, both live and online, from October 12th through the 24th. Go to caminos.ca on how to see the shows and to support these artists. A special thanks to Benias Guerra and New Tradition Music for the beautiful theme music. We are speaking to you from the shores of this beautiful Zaga Igan, known to some as Lake Ontario, in Toronto, or Dagorondo. This is the ancestral territory of the Haudenosaunee, or Longhouse Confederacy, the Anishinaabek Nation, the Wendat, and the Mississaugas of the Credit. This land is covered by the Dish with One Spoon Wampum and Treaty 13, also known as the Toronto Purchase. Araluna, we remember that people can begin to heal when they are hurt. We are committed to artful participation in disagreements. We are committed to unsettling ourselves towards connection, respect, and justice for all people who now live in this city, which has been a meeting place since time immemorial. Radio Aluna Teatro is produced by Aluna Theatre with support from the Toronto Arts Council, the Ontario Arts Council, the Canada Council for the Arts, the Department of Canadian Heritage, and TD Bank. Aluna Theatre is Beatriz Pisano and Trevor Shellness with Sue Ballant. Radio Aluna Theatre is produced by Monica Garrido and Camila Diaz Varela. For more about Aluna Theatre, visit us at alunatheatre.ca, follow at Aluna Theatre on Twitter or Instagram, or like us on Facebook. Miigwech and Nyawangoa.